continuing our series. We began last week in the book of Philippians. You may open your copy of God's Word there. Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to race into this book and cover a lot this morning. Verse 1, okay? Hear God's Word. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. I think this is a very significant intro to who the author is, who the people are that are being addressed that is very effective for us to embrace and live. It reminded me of a lady I met down in King Street. I met her really in the nursing home. Uh, as I got to know the congregation down there, uh, from time to time people said, have you ever met Aura? Have you ever visited Aura? And I said, no, I, I don't know Aura. And, well, you need, to go, you need to go see Aura. So one day I finally got around to the nursing home and found this lady in her 90s. Uh, and I had heard story after story after story. She taught a Sunday school class for over 30 years in our church. She taught a women's Bible study, monthly study, for over 30 years in the church. She never married, didn't have any children, didn't have any family. So as a result of that, not only was she teaching Sunday school and teaching the ladies Bible study, she said, I, I want to do nursery because I want to give couples a chance to uh, not have responsibilities of a kid for at least an hour and a half a week. Let me take their kids and let me minister to them. And so she did that for another 30, 40 years in this church. I got to know her right after that. She's in the nursing home in her 90s. She can hardly hear or see, but she still could walk around. Every day, I said, tell me about life in the nursing home for you. She said, well, every day, once I'm able to get up and get moving, I go around to every room and I knock on the door. And I said, I said would you like somebody to read the scripture and pray with you today? And she went to every resident. And the ones who agreed, she would go in, she'd sit down, she'd open her Bible, and she'd read. She'd ask if they mind, would she pray? And she would pray. And she did that week after week, day after day, until she passed. When I was the preacher officiating her funeral, I made the statement, we've lost today a servant and a saint. No one disagreed. No one. A servant and a saint. And I thought how cool it would be to have that designation. To have that witness. I, I would not mind having that life. Because her life was lived well. And she finished well. She finished as a servant and a saint. And I think there's a lot we could learn from that. And I want you to see it again in Philippians 1. Paul and Timothy's servants of Christ. Writing to the Philippians. Saints in Christ. And I want us to see how significant that is. The, the kind of life that God gives us as a church. 
He gives us the life of servants and saints. So let's just look at those two uh, ingredients and elements of this verse this morning as it's before us. First of all, the, the element of servants, servants of Christ. Paul and Timothy experienced a life as a servant, and that wasn't easy to do. And everybody in Philippi knew they were servants. Why? Because I think from the first day they were there. They said, these guys are different. They are servants. Let me give you a quick introduction. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2. Paul says here, he says, uh, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. So everybody knew. When they went to Philippi, they were shamefully treated. Now, I'm not going to take the time just because I run out of it too often. To go back into Acts chapter 16, I read some of it last week. But in Acts 16, Paul and Timothy and Silas and others show up at this town called Philippi, you know, and they, they meet this lady, Lydia, who sells purple, and she's by the river, and she's a God-fearer, and they begin witnessing, and they go from there to the Philippian jail. But in between, I didn't read, in between seeing Lydia and the Philippian jailer, Paul and Timothy were, or Silas really at this point, shamefully treated. There were some people who says, if we let their kind of preaching go on, then they will rob some of our commerce. And so they took these men, they stripped their clothes off of them, they got rods, they beat them with rods till they were practically killed, and then threw them in prison. Shamefully treated. Now, I don't know about you, but if you treat me that way, and I finally wake up, and an earthquake happens, and God releases my shackles, I'm going to say, forget you. I'm, 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 I'm not sticking around. I'm ready to get out of town. I'm ready to go someplace safe. I'm ready to go place to recover. But Paul says, no, we're, we're staying. We're not even leaving the prison. I want to, I want to witness to this jailer. And I want to go back to Lydia's house. She invited me to. And I want to have Bible studies there. The Philippians knew that Paul and Timothy were servants. They were not there for themselves. They were there to serve. And it didn't matter if you beat them to a pulp and you killed them. They were going to give their lives for the church at Philippi. could be their last church to start, but that's what they were going to do. They were going to give their lives as servants, and they served, and they served well. And the Philippian church was raised up because of their service. That's what's going on. Dedicated servants of Christ giving themselves for the church. Now, uh, this year being my first year through uh, the Bible as an ESV translation, English Standard Version, I'm still rem uh, remembering my days of reading the Bible in a New American Standard Version. The New American Standard Version in Philippians 1, 1 doesn't call them servants. It calls them bond servants. 
And so it makes me wonder, what's the difference? Why did ESV choose the word servant instead of bondservant? Is there a difference? Well, the Greek word can go either way. It could be translated slaves or servants. You pick. So the New American Standard said, well, we like slaves, but our culture doesn't understand slaves like the slaves in the Bible times. So let's, let's choose the word bondservant because there's different kinds of slaves. And I'm not going to spend the time talking about the different kinds of slaves too much. I mean, you, you, there could be somebody who's a man stealer. He steals people. And he, he puts them in shackles. He puts them in bonds. That's breaking the Eighth Commandment. We get that. Uh, that's wrong. Forcing people into slavery because you have the power or the wealth to do so. But there's another type of slavery called an indentured servant. And that is somebody who says, I'm, I'm, po I'm poverty stricken. I don't have any resources. I need something for you. Could I sell you my service? And you begin to serve someone. You become their servants, their slaves. To pay off a debt or to gain, say, entrance into America. Something like that. Paul and Timothy were bond servants. They were slaves. What is it? It's, it really doesn't matter how we define the term slave. I don't think it really matters how we define the term servant. Because whatever kind you are, what really matters is your master. Do you have a good master? Because whether you are an indentured servant or whether you've been stolen to serve and become a slave, do you have a good master? Is, is the master nice? Is he, is he providing? Is he taking care of you? Or are you being beat every day and you're about to die? Paul says, we are servants of Christ. The focus is on the master. Right out of the gate, Paul puts Jesus center stage. He didn't say, I came to serve the Philippians. I am a servant of Christ. That's why I stick around. That's why I do what I do. Because I'm a servant of Christ. I haven't been stolen. I've entered into the service of Christ. I'm not shackled. I'm set free because of Christ. I'm not burdened. I'm not one who's unvaluable. I'm one who's been purchased with the blood of Christ, His grateful servant. When you begin to see what really matters, it changes the whole picture. They were servants of Christ. And he wants us to know that. He, he's, would you gladly define yourself as a servant of Christ? That's what I'm saying. I, I would love that designation. Suppose somebody asked you this week, hey, tell me about yourself. You know, sometimes I ask that question. Sometimes I get asked that question. Tell me about yourself. Well, you know, I... I was born in South Carolina. I grew up in South Carolina. I live in South Carolina. I like being in South Carolina. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm from South Carolina. You know, and I, I start telling you about myself. You may do that, something like that too. Tell me about yourself. Well, 
I want you to know, first and foremost, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm not ashamed to be a servant of Christ. Before Christ, I was in bondage to sin. Before Christ, I was shackled to my own pleasures. Before Christ, I was in such need of so much. But now, as a servant of Christ, I'm free. As a servant of Christ, I have purpose. As a servant of Christ, I have significance. As a servant of Christ, every day I get to do ministry for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that takes, goes with me into heaven. I'm not ashamed to be called a servant of Christ. It should be something that we wear gladly. A designation to be a servant. And Paul introduces himself that way. I want us to see that. You know, it reminded me of an old 80s tune by Bob Dylan. Some of you may remember it, but he, I think he did a good job of explaining this. He said, the song was Gotta Serve Somebody. If you remember the song, he said, everybody's got to serve somebody. You got to serve your mama. You got to serve your daddy. You got to serve your teacher. You got to serve your employer. You got to serve your employees. You got to serve your preacher. You got to serve your church. You got to serve your community. You got to serve your government. You got to serve the dollar. You got to serve somebody. And he just goes on and on and on. Everybody got to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? He says, you can serve the devil and go to hell, or you can serve Christ and go to heaven. But everybody's got to serve somebody. Paul says, I'm not ashamed to be a servant of Christ. Who do, who do we serve? We sometimes give that such a negative connotation that we forget the master is really the important part. That I'm living my life for another, and that other actually lived his life for me. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having Christ as our master just redirects our focus, not on people, not on the dollar, not on jobs. It redirects our focus on Christ. And that makes all the difference. What, what can we learn from that? What can we learn from that? Look at Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So the word of Christ will actually be wisdom if you share it. I want the word of Christ to dwell in you in such a way that you can share it, you can teach, and you can admonish other people, and notice how we're supposed to do that, teaching and admonishing all wisdom through singing psalms, singing hymns, singing spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. When you're singing this morning, you're actually admonishing others to join with you and serve Christ. You're actually encouraging others to join with you and serve Christ. You're actually encouraging, admonishing, teaching people to direct your focus Again, to God's word, to Christ. That's a ministry God wants us doing. And we do that as we come together. Then verse 17, and whatever you do. So let's don't limit it to singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So there's lots of things we do. Whatever it is, do it as a servant of Christ. That's who you are. I love the, the little plaque that I saw one day over a kitchen sink in a home that did not have a dishwasher. So I don't know if any of you can even remember that. But a, sink, a, a kitchen sink without a dishwasher in the home. And over the sink read, Divine services performed here three times daily. And I love that. Even dishwashing done for Christ is a divine service. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Christ. Do it as one who is serving Christ. If you're washing dishes, do them to serve Christ. If you're cutting grass, do it to serve Christ. If you're a medical professional, do what you do to serve Christ. If you're a lawyer, do it to serve Christ. If you're a sportsman, do it to serve Christ. If you're an administrator, do it to serve Christ. If you're a wife, be a wife to serve Christ. If you're a husband, be a husband to serve Christ. If you're a kid, be a kid to serve Christ. It just goes on and on and on. Whatever you do, do it as a servant of Christ real easy for us to forget the designation that we have been gloriously made servants of Christ. So make a list for yourself this week. I'm going to do what I do this week as a servant of Christ. And I'm not going to be ashamed to be a servant. Because he set me free for service. This is divine service. This is service for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that's not a small task. If you catch the connection, He gifted, He crafted you, He designed you for a particular work on this earth. Just go do it and do it for Him. And you will be raised as a servant of Christ. Well, let's move on. Servants, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ to the, to the saints, to the Philippians, saints in Christ Jesus. Now he mentions two groups. He mentions lay saints and leader saints. I don't think just as emphasis was not so much on, on some Greek words. Yeah, I don't think the emphasis here is on the elders or the deacons. You see, he says to all the saints, all, all of them, not some of them, all of the saints... In Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, I think this is just courtesy with the overseers and deacons. I'm not trying to usurp any authority. The church has been established now. I'm no longer the pastor. I'm not the church planner. You now have elders and deacons, and I understand that. I'm not trying to go around that. The uh, term for overseer is exactly, it's, it's, maybe there's a little nuance difference, but the the word is used interchangeably with the word elder. You can, uh, if you look it up in Acts uh, 20 or in Titus 1, there's one group of people talk, being talked about, the elders, and they're referred to as overseers and then as elders. Same group, 
So I think the term overseer, or some of you have been on your hierarchical background, uh, trans, is translated as bishop. Bishop, overseer, and elder used interchangeably. Perhaps bishop and overseer speaks more to the function of the man, and elder speaks more to the qualification. But we're still dealing with the same office. And then deacon, no controversy. So Paul says, you've got two offices in the church Two groups of leaders, elders and deacons, and I want to include them. I don't want to leave them out. But primarily, he's addressing the saints, all the saints, not some. And I want to include the elders and deacons, but I want to address all the saints in Philippi. Now, if all of them are saints, what does that mean? To me, that means there's various levels of Christian growth. And that's hard for most people to grasp. All the saints in Philippi means, what if, what if there's a person in Philippi who got saved that day? And Paul is addressing them as a saint. Well, their spiritual level of maturity, let's say, is right here. And maybe somebody got saved the first time he was there. And now after many years, their spiritual maturity is here. He's saying, this person's a saint. And this person is a saint. Not just elders and deacons. Because of our Catholic past, I think some of us have gathered this mentality that you have to live a long time. You have to get older you have to get wiser. You have to do certain things to achieve sainthood. Because the Catholic Church likes to designate people saints. Sometimes after they're dead, you know, it's going to be a saint now. We've got to earn sainthood. But that's not the way Philip, I mean, Paul and Timothy are addressing the Philippians. It's all the saints. As though we're talking about the whole congregation describing them as saints, regardless of their Christian growth. Let me show it to you other places. Look at a couple, at least. Look at Romans 1, verse 7. Romans 1, verse 7. Pretty, pretty plain here. To all those in Rome who are loved by God... That's all you need to know, right? I'm writing to God lovers. And if you are a God lover, he says, and called to be saints. All God lovers are called to be saints. The word saints, if you're still struggling, I'm going to make it harder for you. Saints means holy ones. All God lovers are to be holy ones. One other place. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth. So all, we're writing to all the Christians in Corinth now. We've done seen Rome. We've seen Philippi. Now we're looking at Corinth. To so all the church in Corinth. To those sanctified. That's made holy. 
set apart unto holiness. Saints means holy. To those holy ones, those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place call up, who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and ours. Now that it's opened the door to everybody. Everybody, basically, who is in Christ Jesus. Here it's made it very clear. You've been set apart by Christ. You've been sanctified by Christ. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus, you call upon Him as your Lord, as your Master. If that's your relationship with Christ, you're a saint. You might have just become a saint. You might be down here. You might have been a saint a long time. You might be up here in your spiritual level of sanctification. But how did the spiritual level of sanctification happen? Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Christ is a sanctifier. Show it to you, chapter 1, of verse 30 of 1 Corinthians. It says this. I love this because it's in past tense. Verse 30 says, And because of him who are in Christ Jesus, who became to us, in the passage, he became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We boast in the Lord because Christ is our holiness. Christ is our sanctification. In other words, how did we get to be a saint, Christ? I didn't start down here and do all of these good works. And then somebody says, I think, we, I think he's earned the right to be called a saint. No. I'm a saint because Christ gave me that designation. Just as he gave me the designation to be a servant of his, he gave me the designation to be a saint of his. He did the works, not me. Sainthood is not earned by works. So forget that past mentality that we inherited. Sainthood comes to us through Christ. Paul understood that. And so just as he wrote to Rome and said to all the saints... Just as he wrote to Corinth and said to all the saints. He writes to Philippi and says, all of you in the church, you who follow Christ, you're saints. And I see you and I view you as saints. Not because of what you do. Not because of your old age. Not because of your special service. But because of Christ. Christ has made you those who are now in Christ Jesus. Say it to you another way. On the day of my wedding, my status changed. I was standing in the church. My wife was there. I was here. Well, she wasn't my wife yet. She's my fiance, right? Here we are. Preacher here, congregation there. David, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? I said, I do. Patty. Do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? She said, I do. By covenant vow, my status changed just like that. I'm no longer just a man. I'm now a husband. And Patty's no longer just a woman. We took a woman to be a wife. And she took a man to be a husband. Now, I really didn't know a lot about what it means to be a husband. 
And I'm sure there's days when my wife says, you still don't know a lot about what it means to be a husband. But nevertheless, my status changed. It was not because of my age. It was not because of how many good works I did. But by covenant, I am now a husband. I have a status I didn't have before that was granted me. In the same way, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, our status changes like that. We're no longer all of the world. We now are saints of Christ. It wasn't because of the works we did. It wasn't because of our age, maturity, or wisdom. It was because Christ made a covenant with God the Father that if He would die in our place, we would be His holy ones. We would be His saints. And we have been granted as a gift from the Father to the Son to be His. Saints. That's what we are. What a beautiful picture to understand the preciousness of our life before God the Father in Christ the Son. We are the holy ones. We are the saints. We are the ones being sanctified by Christ and to such a degree it's past tense. God, I've already done that. I got that. They are mine. They will take my nature. They will live my life. They will be holy as I am holy. They're saints. And when we get that, it really changes who we are. Do you embrace that? I think we struggle, don't we? Because I don't hear any of you introducing yourself that way. Ever. So I want us to practice, okay? I'll pick on Eric, okay? This is what I want you all to do. I want you to turn to a neighbor and introduce yourself like this. So I'm going to say, hello, I'm St. David. Nice to meet you. And then you respond, hello, nice to meet you. I'm St. Eric. St. Eric. All right. You got it? I want you to feel how that feels. Go ahead. Do it. You listen to the laughter. You listen to the laughter, right? It's like, really? 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 One of my seminary professors was in an interdenominational meeting, and they did this as an exercise because so many different denominations, they wanted to learn how to love each other. And um, so uh, his name was Peter. P Peter turned to his neighbor and said, I'm St. Peter, and I control the pearly gates. And the guy beside him says, I'm St. Thomas, and I doubt that. <laughs> it's funny. We just don't see ourselves that way. But I don't think it's funny to God. He doesn't mind our humor. But he doesn't want us to miss the beauty of what he's doing in our lives. He has made us his holy ones. His saints. And that changes everything about us and who we are. Give you another 
Quick illustration. What do you see? White piece of paper. White piece of paper. Black, it's not a trick. Come on. Black piece of paper. Okay. I got another one of those. I got them all over the place. All right. Let me think about it. Let's call this, most people see three black dots, right? Some of you said white piece of paper with black dots. Appreciate that. But most people see three black dots. Wife came into the uh, bathroom one day. Husband was in there dressing. And uh, as he dresses, he's doing something with his back. And the wife walks in and she says, Ooh, what's that? That big old pimple on your back. And he says, I'm already frustrated. I can't reach it. I can't squeeze it. I can't get rid of it. And when I heard that, I thought, so typical. We're going to focus on that pimple. But he turned around and he says, why are you looking at the pimple? Quit looking at it when you got all this man up in here to love. And that's the way we are. We want to look at those three dots where it's easy to cover up. And we got all of this sainthood to appreciate. Tell me about your husband. Well, he's got this problem. He gets angry. You just tell me about a dot. Tell me about your wife. Sometimes she really gets frustrated. She gets mad. She loses it. You tell me about a dot. Tell me about your kids. And yeah, it goes on and on. Tell me about your employer, employee, and you focus on a dot. Instead of tell me about your husband. He's such a saint. Tell me about your wife. She is a saint. Tell me about your kids. They are saints of Christ Jesus. Tell me about your pastor. Oh, saint. Tell me about your church. It's full of saints. Amen. Even the kids get it as wise. We need to get there. Paul did not say, did you, you didn't hear me read it. Paul did not say in Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants in Christ Jesus, to all the sinners at Philippi. He didn't focus on the dots. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. And if we spend so much of our lives focusing on the pimples, the black dots, and if we would quit it, it would eliminate my counseling load. It would just eliminate it. Because we would love one another, regardless of the blemishes. You would love your wife. You would love your husband. You would love your kids. You would love your parents. You'd love your pastor. You'd love your church. You'd love your work. If we could learn to be servants and saints 
Maybe you're here this morning and you're realizing, I need a new master. Serving me is not working. What if I were a servant of Christ and then became a saint through Christ serving me? What a difference that would make in life if I could go to my grave as a servant and as a saint. That's where I want to encourage you. That's a significant, valuable, purposeful existence. And I want you to have it. I want you to see it, that God's given it to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and your truth.